This is Anime DJ's Weekly Rundown 21. Let's get it. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, before we get into it, I would like to tell you guys it is just me and Dan here today. Uh, Tyler's power is out right now. Um, there's a lot of there's been tornadoes going around his area, uh, so you guys uh, keep him and his uh, city in your thoughts. But me and Dan are still here. We're gonna get through this weekly rundown with you guys, and we'll be going over Mashal episode eleven, uh, episode eleven, Hell's Paradise episode twelve, a fucking banger. Uh, Insomniacs After School, Episode 12, and One Piece, 1066. Great stuff. So, Dan, you want to get us right into it? Let's do it. Yeah, I don't think there was anything but bangers for anime this week. Like, I'm watching, I think, nine, like, weeklies right now, and every single episode was just off the, off the chain, dude. It was awesome. Hey, right, staying blessed out here, man. That's good stuff. Let's get into it. Mashal episode 11. Mash, Burn Dead, and the Survival of the Fittest. So the long-anticipated battle between Mash and Lord Abel begins. Afterward, the story gets deeper, and we're introduced to another big baddie. The, the villain kind. This isn't inner dorm anymore. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is some serious shit, which we all knew was coming, you know? Yeah, I mean, they've been setting this up the last few episodes, but it's it was good to like see it finally start to like come together and uh we actually meet the guy but uh it started off with just you know mash rolling up to abel and abel kind of like talking down the whole home buddy until he kind of started saying you know i'm actually kind of impressed that you made it here because he did get past abyss razor which is a great fight um and he he kind of went into how the world treats people differently, which is, I mean, always true. And not everybody gets the same, same treatment, but um, he wanted to like start taking advantage of weaker people. He's saying that they like owed him something. Did you kind of get what he was getting at? Yeah. I mean, the guy's just really narcissistic, like <laughs> off, off the rails, narcissism right here. You know, he's like, I'm the best in the world. I'm a triple liner. Everybody else is inferior. And my goals are to wipe inferiority off the face of the planet. Survival of the fittest is kind of his mantra right there. But um, he, he said a lot of things that pissed Mash off and just kind of set the tone for Mash coming in with a big old ass kicking. Oh, yeah, because he was like, um, he, he not only wanted to get rid of people that didn't have magic, which they already do in this world, right? He was also taking talking about anybody that has weak magic in general and anybody that shelters the weak. So right then and there, he's talking directly about him and his pops. I think Mash is used to people like talking shit about people with no magic. That's normal. But he brought his he brought his dad in it. He didn't even know it. He's like, nah, bro, that's not how this is going to happen. Yeah, there's you don't bring Mash's pops or his friends into it, man. That's game over. 100 percent. Yeah. Um, when Mash was like. We can't be friends. I was like, ah, oh, he about to really stomp this dude. Because he's usually really, like, he's aloof, but he's usually fairly kind at the same time. Even when he's pummeling people, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you think back to the fight with Razor. He was like, you know, we could be we could be buddies in another in another timeline, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And that's just how Mash operates, you know. And I mean, he also helped out uh, Silva back sure. way back when. You know, Mash is just a good guy, but Abel's just a dick. Yeah, no, no real. other word to say it. You know. Yeah, I, I think I still think Abyss and and Mash will probably well they might end up friends, or Abyss might start helping Mash in some way in the future. Because they seem, you know, they, they, it seemed like they were two sides to the same coin. They had a lot of similarities. Oh, definitely. Uh, but did you did you peep Mash's uh, flashback, bro? The one with his baby Mash. Yes, yes, I was oh, loving that shit. Baby Mash doing like double backflips or like handsprings or whatever he was doing was nuts. Yeah, in like six months. Oh, he still had like the full head of hair. Yeah, you full head of hair. Like literally, <laughs> just looked like you took Mash's normal head and just put it on a baby, made it a little chunkier. Yeah, I was I was really fucking with that shit, and uh, he like took he took pops uh cream pops. I was like, he's always had it in him. Man's got good taste. Uh, always, been, always been a cream puff guy, dude. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some things just don't change. I respect that. Uh, but like, kind of getting into the fight with Mash and Abel. Like, before we like get into it too too much. Like, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought the fight was really cool. Uh, my only complaint was it wasn't long enough. Right, bro. I thought this was going to go like maybe two episodes uh, because this, is the, this was the second to last episode. And I thought it would bleed over it until like at least the first half of, of episode 12. But I mean, it didn't even last like a whole episode. There was like time before and after. So yeah, it was maybe like six minutes. Right. And like the with, whole season's like leading up to this, it felt like. It was six minutes with a lot of monologuing too. It was only six minutes? Oh, I don't know how long it was, oh, but it, that's okay. what it felt like with a lot of monologuing in there and everything else. Yeah, I guess if you take off the uh, the flashbacks, uh, both Abel's and Mash's, and then, yeah, the monologuing probably was like six minutes, five minutes. Yeah, it didn't feel like boxing. it. It, it, it kind of, I mean, it was really, really dope, but like, True. I wanted more, you know? Yeah, like it's been 10 episodes leading up to this. I mean, we got introduced to Lord Abel what around episode five, I think, five or six. Yeah, um, I'd say four, four through six, somewhere in there. Yeah, so like this is a lot of episodes, especially for such a short season to like end it so quickly. Um, but yeah, overall it was pretty good. And we actually, before we get into the actual fight, um, we kind of learn why Lord Abel wants to kind of trample on the weak. Uh, I thought it was good that they showed this because it did make me sympathize with him. But just to give you guys an idea about it or remind you about it, his mother was very uh, philanthropic. Is that the word? <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll go with it. We'll go phil with it. Philanthropic, yeah. Yeah, philanthropic. Uh, and uh, she would like go hand out food to like the, the you know, the less fortunate. Um, she would be very nice with them and like treat them the same as anybody else, even though she was like nobility. And then one day she's handing out food and somebody like stabbed her for like no good reason. She, she was trying to do the right thing. And you know, like he was, I guess, just maybe like jealous that she was living a good life. And that's when Lord Abel like snapped and he was like, yeah, I, we can't live with these kind of people. They don't deserve what they get. And uh, like I said, it, I don't, it, it obviously doesn't justify how he behaves or how he thinks, but that's some tough shit for a kid to go through. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's kind of one of those things, too, if you think about it from 
another way his mom was weak because she was supporting these people and he doesn't want to end up like his mom that's kind of the vibe i got from it oh damn i just thought it was some trauma that's a good point though no i, I could see that for sure for sure i could be way off base there i mean hey, I, I don't know it kind of made sense to me yeah it's up to interpretation but yeah i i thought it was like more like resentment towards the the people that are uh you know have less or less magic and he and i i think you're you're at least partly right or you know mostly right that he doesn't want to end up like her yeah and there was a point too where mash said like oh, i get why you're fighting you're fighting for your mom yeah yeah and so he I, understood i just love how mash tries to rationalize everything in like a positive note he's such a positive character like you don't he really is man i feel like you don't see a lot of that in media these days you know no, it's it's cool. Like as like lighthearted, the fir- as as lighthearted the first half of this season was. It's gotten a lot deeper. Uh, we're learning through how Mash treats the villains. We're learning a lot more about him. Uh, we just kind of thought he was a blockhead, but he's actually very very understanding, like you just said. So that's been phenomenal for me, but. Yeah, it's a lot of nuance going on. And we, like you said, we don't see that in a lot of media. We don't see that even in other Americans a lot nowadays. <laughs> so it's, it's fucking refreshing. Yeah, definitely not nowadays. That's for sure. I mean, everybody's at everybody's throats about everything. So it's, it's refreshing, yeah. you know? Thankfully, it is. this is the shonen. It's meant for young, you know, younger kids, maybe like, they'll learn a thing or two and there's hope for the future, you know? I'm hoping so, man. I'm really hoping so. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just 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 getting back to the fight. So um they kind of get into it and Abel first off sends like some acid dolls at homeboy. And is this when he did like the bowling pin thing or was this the the baseball bat shit? No, this is the bowling pin. Baseball bat was last episode. So uh, basically uh Abel sends like one of these acid dolls. So basically it's his puppets but they're full of like bone melting acid. So terrifying. So Mash takes one of them down, and I, I think he just dodged the acid, right? Yeah, he starts off dodging the acid, I think. But so Mash just picks up the head of this puppet, and there's like another 10 of them coming. And you know, in classic Mashal fashion, we're going to see something really dumb coming up. And it was so funny. So Mash takes the head of this puppet, bowls it like a bowling ball, and just knocks all these puppets down, and they like explode, and it's just like, I was waiting for like the Wii Sports strike. Oh, like, that would have been great. I was just waiting for that. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And like, I'm cracking up because like, I don't know if you guys, I, I don't know if Bass has seen this, but there's this trend on like TikTok and everything else for the bowling shorts that are like really fucked up. What? Oh yeah. It's like, you'll see like a bowling ball as a plane and a bunch of little bowling pins and it'll come in and like drop the bowling balls and it'll say drone strike and shit like that like so stupid okay but i'm just big into the bowling memes now so this is great (laughs) i'm glad that's fitting into the rest of your uh uh online consumption my guy oh dude Um, this is so sidebar but there's one with fucking bowling ball anakin and all the little jedi pins oh no (laughs) bro that's that's evil it's so funny it's so funny oh man um 
Yeah, I thought I, I always love these moments from the show because they, they mix it up. They they keep it light, but sometimes it gets a little deep and uh dark on us, like it did a little bit during this episode. <laughs> um, but something I didn't expect and I don't really understand the purpose of was Love Cute actually came to the door and was like watching the fight from like afar, from like behind the door. Um, I didn't understand the purpose of her being there as like a narrative tool at all. Um, because she didn't do anything. Yeah, she she did one thing. What'd she do? So uh later uh in the episode, Abel tries to use his public magic to take over Mash. Yeah. And he basically just like drops all the threads from the ceiling and Mash notices them, dodges, has them hit his right side, and grabs the threads and destroys them with his left hand before he can turn into a puppet. Clean. And like I think Love has done this before, too, where she sees something and she's like, I have no idea how that fucking happened. But ah, she can see it and she yes. explains it. That is right. She explains it. She was narrating the fight. That is right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was fucking awesome. I mean, more what Mash did, not so much with Love. But she was just like dumbfounded. Like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah, she's got like some, you know, 15, 20 vision or some shit. I don't know how that works. Um, But yeah, he brought out some creepy stuff like the Jester dolls. I, that made me uncomfortable. They had like little <laughs> Jester hats on a little bit of face paint. Um, he also had to fight Finn. Yeah. And at the time I thought it was just like Finn's puppet. And then we go to learn later. And I guess Mash is smarter than I am. He realizes that Finn is probably inside the puppet. And it comes out later that he, the people that turn the puppets are actually puppets on the, are people on the inside. Um, I was, it was fucking hilarious. The guy was, um, Finn was hitting Mash with the fucking mace, like in the face, like, and the, and the yeah, mace was breaking. Yeah, he had like two battle axes. I was like, holy shit. It's fucking ridiculous. You know, my favorite part of this whole thing was, is we finally got to see Finn fight involuntarily. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and like, he didn't even use it, like any magic or anything. Like, it was just all physical attacks. So I still have no idea what Finn can do. I don't think we've actually seen him use any like magic whatsoever this entire show. No, other than I mean, like maybe, small things like like with the uh, when they yeah, were like, making like the uh, potion, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I was gonna say like maybe in class or something like that once or twice, like ten episodes ago. But like you're saying, yeah, we haven't seen anything from Finn. That's why I was thinking it was so funny. I'm like, oh, they actually made him fight, but he didn't <laughs> want to. Um, and uh, another cool thing that I that we saw was like the spinal reflex. So. Lord Abel like attaches his strings like he's fucking Doflamingo. I was getting mad Doflamingo vibes uh, during this entire fight. Maybe not the way he was talking, but like his power with the with the strings obviously reminds me of him. Yeah, I guess you got like Doflamingo meets Voldemort, you know? Oh, you don't know Harry Potter. So yeah, you I was don't about know. to say, dog, I ain't never seen uh, that shit. <laughs> Voldemort is a pure blood wizard kind of guy. Wants to kill all the muggles and the half-bloods, uh, you know? So. I know what a muggle is, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to, uh, I believe the word they use in Harry Potter is the derogatory term is mud blood. Oh. He ain't about blood. that. He ain't about that shit. He wants to maim them all. So, uh, yeah, man's a purist. Um, yeah, you, you got to kill the weak and uh, use your Doflamingo string string fruit to do it. Oh, shit. So he's on this Lord Abel shit. Okay. They could be friends. They'd probably be great friends. It probably would be. Um, but yeah, he like uh, attaches his strings to Mash. And like, Mash is done. He's cooked. He's absolutely cooked. And then he goes for the like the gold coin in his fucking pocket. And he pulls out a cream puff. 
to like mash. So you can't move when he puts the strings in you and he like starts turning you into a puppet. But mash has like a, what he called like a spinal reflex where it's instinct. And he, he protected his fucking cream puff off straight instinct. Didn't even have to think about it and juck that shit back and broke the spell. Yeah, essentially what Abel's magic does is it cuts your brain off from the rest of your body so you can't control anything. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure... Sh- yeah, I'm pretty sure you're like cognizant of what's going on too, which is the fucked up part. Yeah. But yeah, thank God for the spinal reflex with the cream puff, you know, save Mash's <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, it was good shit. But yeah, I mean, they kind of finish up the fight. Abel does his little, his uh, ultimate move with like the three giant puppet heads. And I was, that shit was also creepy. Uh, Abel's just a nuts. creepy fuck. That shit was nuts. He's got some creepy magic, but that was fucking cool. Yeah. Did we ever figure out why he was calling his little baby puppet mom? Did he ever go into that or is he just a fucking weirdo? I don't think they ever went into it, but it might be a puppet of his dying mother. Like he might have tried to use his magic to save her or something. I don't know. I know y'all can't see my face right now, but goddamn. Ugh. Um, I did see one of the Crunchyroll comments and it said it was like one punch man mixed with Harry Potter. Agree? That's the vibe it's been giving off the whole time, man. I, re- I remember we were doing like, oh God, this was forever ago. We were doing the news and I was like, there's this new anime coming out. I haven't seen anything about it. Mm-hmm. But I watched the trailer and it's One Punch Man meets Harry Potter meets Black Clover. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that actually. Because so. he's got no magic. He just punches shit and it's basically just Harry Potter. Yeah, I, I picked up on that. They're even copying it with the titles. Yeah, yeah, no, they are. Mash and the blank is literally just a straight rip off of Harry Potter. It's hilarious. Every fucking week, too. Every fucking week. Um, so after that, so you know, Mash naturally wins the fight. He's the fucking hero, right? And then we kind of go back we, out. We're not gonna talk about Mash's finishing move, dude. Come oh on. my god, Come go on, for it, bro. Man. Go for it, bro. He so Mash straight up goes like RKO, like WWE. And does like the over the shoulder, like fucking like pile driver move you would see in like a wrestling match on so, Friday Night SmackDown. And I was so happy. Did you ever watch? I think it was Raw that had The Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. It was like his finishing move, like that straight pile driver. Yeah. He like falls to his knees. I was like, yes. Except he, you know, Mash got to do it from two stories. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. It was fun. I almost forgot about it. You're right, Dan. You're right. Can't forget about the finishing move, dude. Yeah, yeah, he, I, he he did him dirty. I can't remember what he said for the name of the the spell he used there, but it was something great. I can't remember off the top of my head though. <laughs> oh man, I'm sure it's not the last time we'll see it. He'll power drive somebody else. I guarantee you. Oh, hundred percent. That's all he does. Oh yeah, mash, smash, dude. Respect. Um, but now we go out to the hallway. And um, we got our boy Rain Ames, uh, Finn's, what we presume is Finn's older brother. Oh, it is. Finn's, they said it. Oh, yeah, they did say it. Yeah, they said it. The divine visionary from Alderdorn. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, so he actually confronts um, a person that's impersonating Lance, I think. I'm, I'm a little shady, uh, a little cloudy on this. And it actually ends up being Innocent Zero, who's a fucking weirdo. So, from what they were talking about, Dan, was Innocent Zero impersonating Lance, or is Innocent Zero Lance? 
So I think with all the backstory we got a Lance, I feel like it had to be an impersonation. Like, there's no way that wasn't oh, yeah, Lance. He loves the whole his sister, time. bro. He loves his yeah, sister. There's like, there's no way you would have just randomly like held that charade the whole time. You know? I don't know. We don't know how crazy this man innocent is. So I think Lance was off fighting some innocent zero cronies or something like that, or maybe some other, you know, um, Langdorm guys. Okay. And Innocent Zero was impersonating him trying to go around the school because he was looking for something. I don't remember if they said what he was looking for. No, they actually didn't bring that up. I think they're going to go in more into that next episode. That would make sense. But yeah, so Abel was kind of working for him, but not really. Like he was more like watching him to see if he had the potential to work for him. I thought Abel was actually working for him. Okay. I thought that's why they were collecting all the magic and, and, and shit like that was for Innocent Zero. I mean, yeah, they were using themselves, but I thought that like he was like his underling directly. Okay, maybe. I know that Innocent Zero said at some point that he had no use for Abel anymore. Yeah, he, so Yeah, he probably couldn't fucking beat and match. And he's like, yeah, I don't need this, this clown, even though he's a three-liner. Um, I was going back to the end of the fight. I was kind of surprised that Lord Abel just like, oh, you beat me. I'm going to release everybody. I thought he would come up with like a maniacal scheme or that's when Innocent Zero would come in. But no, he got discovered in the fucking hallway by uh, uh, Rain. And uh, I think Rain is about to try to box with him. And he's like, man, go ahead. Not, he's not going to box Innocent Zero. He's going to box with the guy with the food magic, the fork and knife guy. Yeah, Jean-Pierre. Well, I was saying before, oh. so Rain was going to try to box with him, and then he's like, nah, I, gotta, I got something else to do, bro. Um, you, can, you can fight Jean-Pierre. And then, yeah, so Jean-Pierre is, one, a serial killer. I feel like it's pretty easy to be a ser serial killer in this world. But the weird thing is he's a fucking cannibal, too. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So uh. he likes to cook, but not very tasty things. Uh. I mean, I did like his <laughs> his giant butter knife that just appeared out of nowhere. That was pretty tight. I was fucking with that too, bro. I was. It, fucking with that too. I think it'll lead to a really good fight because Rain's magic is the swords. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get the swords versus the butter knives. That's gonna be an interesting matchup. I, I mean, I, I don't see how butter knives win, but you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, a magicless. I'm a magicless bastard. So <laughs> yeah, I got no lines in my face. Yeah, I'm 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 good. I I do want to go back to one more thing from right after uh, Mash beat Abel though. So, um, Abel released Lemon, and him or Finn, Mash, and Lemon were doing the dumbest hip hip hooray shit I've ever seen, and it just took away from all of the fight in my opinion. But like that's what Mashal does. It mixes in like intense fighting with comedy so well and that scene was just so over the top for me it was so goofy they were like holding hands and like putting their arms up when they go hooray yeah they're like it was, he was like finn was like hero 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 and lemon was like husband 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 and i was like <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now you were literally just getting your magic sucked out of it you were a literal puppet and you guys don't give a fuck right they won man it's time to celebrate they can't wait they don't need to recover they said where's the champagne now um but yeah, I think that was pretty much it for that. You got something else? I was just going to say, there's going to be so many cream puffs next episode. There's oh, yeah. Party. party of cream puffs, dude. That's what we're getting. Dude, they got to finish up some fights, I think, in the hallway. But yeah, after that, 
it's going to be a celebration. Definitely. You want to get into uh, Hell's Paradise? Yes, sir. So we're doing Hell's Paradise episode 12, guys. Uh, Umbrella and Ink. So this episode continues uh, the epic battles uh, that we've had so far with Sagiri, Senta, and Yuzariha fighting the new Tensin and Horai. So the ladies showed some really good skills. I was surprised, but they showed some really good skills this episode. Um, but we don't really know if it's going to be uh, enough in the end right now. So the episode kind of started with the main group. Uh, well, Sagiri, Senta, Yuzariha. Uh, walking into the door at Horai and the, you know, the pink haired Tenson, who we have a name for is Jujun. And uh, they get to talking to me like, you know what? We ain't had nobody in this area in about a thousand years. And he kind of goes into it a little bit. And uh, obviously at the end of the episode last week, he like pretty much snaps his finger and takes his Hoko's uh, head off. But now he's talking shit after he did that. It got so disrespectful. Um, so Hoko's a very religious person. He believes in the Tencent. He believes there are gods in one way or another. And the Tencent pretty much tells him, this whole religion, it's a sham. Um, you're not going to heaven. You're a test subject. Um, you're a failed experiment. And we use this whole, this whole setup just to keep you in line. And that kind of hit for me because he's watched his daughter his entire people die over time and turn into trees. Um, that was that was pretty heavy, man. But I mean, Dan, what'd you think about him saying like this whole island is an, ex- an experiment, pretty much? Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, we kind of knew that that was coming. I feel like like based on what Senta had said, like you know, the mishmash of religions and everything else, right, and like right. we were kind of getting that vibe. But to flat out come and say that out loud like that was definitely something i wasn't expecting no i I thought they were gonna have to like figure it out but jujin yeah he came out and said yeah this is this is awesome so it's a sham pretty much um he also tells the group that uh not only is everybody you know prototypes and experiments including himself um there's no fucking elixir of life dog yeah, that, that was part, crazy, bro. That surprised me. I mean, like the idea of Tan basically letting these people be immortal is the definition of the elixir life, in my opinion. But I guess the fact that they have to keep re-upping is basically like they just got some really fucking good energy drinks and they're kicking, you know? Like, <laughs> got you a five-hour energy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a hundred-year energy, but same idea, you know? Like they got to re-up. <laughs> It seems like they drink it pretty frequently um, because it seems like they meet, you know, we've already seen them meet once. And um, I guess whenever they use a certain amount of time, they got to go have a little teacup party. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, after seeing what um, the orange haired Tencent, I can't remember her, his slash her name. um, uh, Shujin. Yeah. Shujin was looking down bad after that fight with Gabi Maru. So like, yeah. It is basically they just got like the ultimate energy source. It's what it is. You know, this is like that good, good Red Bull. Right. But like it brings up so many questions for me, man, because we know like the ninja leader is undying. Right. He's been stabbed with like 20 different spears at one time and it was like laughing it off. Um, but yeah, the, the Tencent says like, you know, we're, we're, we're researching eternal life, but it's not done. But obviously somebody's figured it out. Right. 
I don't know though. I mean, if you think about it, he's a ninja leader, and what's one of like there's ninjutsu and genjutsu. Maybe he's just really good with genjutsu or something. And he just kind of makes it everybody think he's in that condition where he's just sitting over in a bush somewhere laughing his ass off. I don't know. That'd like, be crazy because I mean they, they framed it like that, uh, or at least they they framed it for for Gabi like that. And I guess they just might they might just be showing it to us the same way to keep us guessing. You know? What I'm yeah. Saying? Just I mean, based on the fact that he said there is no luxury life, like you can't survive that. I mean, homie had like six spears, like 17 kunai at him. He was just like cut in half, like everything else. Like, I don't know. It could even, even, I mean, even the Tenson can die. Yeah. So like, I mean, I obviously know. what they're not, what they're drinking is not the elixir of life. I was just thinking maybe somebody else figured it out or the person that's researching eternal life figured it out and didn't tell the Tenson. Maybe. Because why would the fuck would you tell them? They're like really powerful, right? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, this shakes up pretty much the whole plot, man. Um, and, you know, Yuzuriha and Sagiri, they immediately start thinking like, you know, like, how's Gabimaro? How am I going to stay alive? Because we have to get the elixir of life. And it doesn't, we, as far as we know right now, it doesn't exist. Um, so I don't know how they're going to pull this off. But it's going to be good plot for next season, though. Oh, this shit for is spicy, boy. For sure, man. I'm really interested to see where the next episode goes. I don't know if there's going to be more fighting or if it's going to be a big plot episode. I think it's got to be a plot episode. They got to yeah. like tie some of this shit together a little bit. I think before we get a, you know, a season break, you know, that could be a year or two. I would like to see it tied together. Yeah, well, I was gonna say we got to get the we got to get all three or I mean you got to get all the the groups back together and for the big team up moment the Avengers moment you know like we need that yeah. or else it's just gonna feel like this was the end of the season and they just decided to cut it an episode or two early you know in my opinion yeah I mean they got one episode to figure this thing out um they have to like leave it in a good place it's got to be a good stopping point you know yeah because they're just like dropping so much knowledge on us the last like I say two. And counting this one three episodes is just like, hey man, like I need some kind of resolution, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I'm okay with cliffhangers, but like at least get to a good stopping point, you know? Like if it's just everybody separated still and like nothing going on, it's like, all right, what the fuck am I waiting for? Then like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get to a good point for a little bit of cohesiveness, I guess. Right, right. Like you don't want to leave. You want to leave just enough for season two to where people want to keep watching it. Um, but you, you also want to satisfy people. You don't want to like leave somebody with an unsatisfying season at the same time. So it's a balancing act, right? Definitely. So going back to the episode, though, so we get into uh, a really fun brawl with Yuzuriha, uh, Sagiri, and Senta basically trying to take down this Tencent. And we Sagiri is a fucking badass, as well as Yuzuriha. I mean, yeah, she comes bro. in. So we find out a little more about her power. Uh, Yuzuriha, her ninjutsu. Basically, she can drink medicine. She calls it medicine. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the white sticky substance. But she can drink yeah. it and then secrete it from her body, which is how she does her ninjutsu. And she goes hard with that shit, dude. She's like making spider webs with it. She's like wrapping the tents it up. She's going after them. And they find out that uh, Sigiri, although she can't necessarily see Tao, mm -hmm. she can she can use it, and she has a very powerful anti-Tenson version of Tao. Based on the fact that she slashed the Tenson, and he wasn't regenerating. Yeah, and she didn't even like do it on purpose either. Um, 
And so right off the bat, when Yuzuriha and Sagiri start going after uh, this Tencent here, uh, Zhujian, uh, he's immediately impressed by Yuzu. He's like, holy shit, like you got an incredible amount of uh, Tao. You, you're a little bit experienced with it. And she's like, yeah, like I don't know what Tao is, but what I use is called Ki, where she's from, um, QI. And she's like, yeah, I'm obviously pretty good with it. I'm kicking your ass with it. But he doesn't think that Sagiri is, you know, he's like, I'm gonna, I'll train you and then maybe eat you later. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Sagiri, Senta, y'all got to go. Like, I, I'm about to kill y'all. And then that's when he tried to, he tried to pulls up on uh, Sagiri and all of a sudden her, her Tau level like goes through the roof and cuts him. So she can use Tau. A lot of it, but just in very short bursts, it seemed like. Whereas Yuzu is like more consistent and has a better handle on her abilities. Definitely, yeah. And they laid the groundwork for uh, Sagiri's ability to use Tao really well the last episode. With mm -hmm. all the strong, weak, weak, strong BS that May was saying. Yeah, yeah. Because her whole fighting style is finding the common point between the Raging Ocean and the Calm Sea. Which is essentially weak, strong. Right. And when she does her breathing techniques, she basically is incorporating talent to her slashes, which was really cool that they continued that on and brought that back into the story, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, actually great storytelling. Uh, the world building has been phenomenal for this show. Um, I, I saw some, I wanted to talk to you uh, while we were going through all this, but I was seeing uh, online and like in the reviews for Hell's Paradise in general, saying that it's not living up to... I guess, like, as, as far as, like, the animation and, like, uh, the, the story overall isn't a normal or what we've come to expect from MAPPA. I kind of thought that was a little BS. I was wondering, like, if you had any thoughts on something like that, how much you're liking the show so far? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it because, like, I, like I've said in the past, it, it, it brings a lot of really cool concepts into it with the religions and everything mm -hmm. else. So I've really enjoyed that. Um I mean, saying that MAPPA isn't doing a good job telling the story is kind of, that's kind of a cop-out because MAPPA didn't write the story. Like, MAPPA isn't the, the mangaka, well, I, you I, know? I think, I think I actually got that part wrong. I think it was just the animation they were saying. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the animation has been good at times. It hasn't been like Attack JJK. on Titan or yeah. JJK level, but this isn't also their big show. And you got to think about it, too. JJK has been in production the entire time they were animating this. Right. So, like, maybe the heavy hitters were busy. I mean, it's you see it with One Piece, too. You know, we get a really crazy One Piece episode, and then we get a dud One Piece episode. Yeah. I mean, it's as just, far as the animation goes, at least. Uh, yeah. I, th I think some people can, like, put a little too much emphasis on the animation, because I thought this was one of the best uh, anime of the spring, uh, personally. Yeah. Uh, just, the, the story's been good, and, like, the... I think, like, with animation, it's, like... As long as the animation doesn't take away, I'm not distracted by it with how bad it is. I, I'm usually okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, the animation hasn't been and it's still good at yeah, all. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's better than par. It's just not yeah. like top five. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the problem with like the younger generation watching anime is they think Demon Slayer is the greatest show in the world because it's got all the pretty lights. But in reality, right. the story for Demon Slayer is like a C. Yeah, it's just it's it's C good. Plus. Yeah, it's I mean good. it's a decent story. It's not like it's good. It's very great. linear, very predictable, and yeah. that's about it. You know, but this yeah. has just been throwing curveballs left and right from a storytelling aspect. I think they've done a great job with this story. Oh, a hundred percent. 
I'm sure this manga went nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might have to read it. I don't know if I can wait another year or two. Yeah, this is it's just been too good. Uh, but <laughs> but but getting back to the um, the actual episode at hand here, um, we saw Santa like simping a little bit. I don't know if you would call it simping. It looked like simping to me. Um, and in the end, after the um, when they're kind of going through it, Sagiri is like, "Hey, like you're getting distracted by user Reha." And he kind of like goes into one, like how much he like envies her and her freedom. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if he's necessarily simping over her. It's more her lifestyle. Yeah, 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 the yeah. The fact that she does what she wants and everything else, because we got a nice flashback with Santa to give him some background, also, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Santa grew up being an artist and drawing and painting and everything else. And um, it, all boys in his family joined the Yamada clan and learned how to be executioners. So he didn't have a choice to follow his dreams. But then he sees Yuzuriha, who just embodies freedom in, in his eyes. And I think that's what he enjoys about her. I mean, she ain't half bad looking, but, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I think that's yeah. what he sees. A hundred percent. But I, I thought he was kind of like going overboard with it. Uh, it's, it's like one thing to like res respect somebody's life and how they live and how they are. And, and just to be like fucking up on the battlefield because you can't uh, get your mind off somebody there's a line hey, somewhere in there somewhere bro yeah i i mean i've never been on a battlefield with a, <laughs> a with a with a monster so i don't really know the uh the line but no i definitely agree with you on that one too. <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> um but yeah i mean the, the girls are actually fucking this tencent up pretty good this was like the most other than gabi maro's fight um this was like the most even fight i think we've seen with a tencent um, it was two and a half V one, but yeah, I was really impressed by user Riha, her abilities, Sagiri, we know she's going to keep, uh, getting stronger and surprising us, but I just didn't expect that of user Riha, especially when she tried to run at the beginning of the fight. Uh, she was like, yeah, guys, we should leave. And she just dips. Um, but yeah, Sinta was trying to help, but he was mostly just getting in the way. I thought his sword style was really cool. He was just like stabbing people instead of slashing. Yeah, it was, more like, it was more like a, a rapier instead yeah. of like a, a katana, which I thought was really cool. And I will say, like you're saying two and a half, but Santa was the key to them beating, quote unquote, beating the Tencent, in my opinion. Uh -huh. There's the scene where um, basically Yuzuriha uses her slime ninjutsu to bind the Tencent, and he can get out of that. So what Santa does is basically puts him in a chokehold and stabs him. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And basically offers himself up. He's like, Sagiri, cut him. We know where the weak point is now. Basically, it's their abdomen area, you know, as we've learned throughout the show. Mm -hmm. And Sagiri comes in with a massive influx of Tao using her breathing techniques and basically kills the Tenson. But it's Bad Santa who's form one. Santa's the one back there holding him down, though. I mean, he's ready to give up his life. Yeah, and the Tencent was really surprised by that. I, I actually forgot about that. Well, before that, it was two and a half versus one. He came through. <laughs> he came through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Tencent's like, uh, you really gonna let let her cut you in half? And he's like, just don't don't cut me, please. He didn't even think about it. But he was out there laying his life on the line, like everybody else. Two and three quarters. There we go. 
give give the little the little the the fat the fat guy as uh the tenson like to say give him some credit man us big boys need some love too yeah it's (laughs) going back to his flashback i thought it was funny like he you know so the the yamada clan are executioners they're sword testers and executioners and he like accidentally started rising the ranks uh because he's to like deal with having to kill criminals which he didn't want to do he studied religion um and he got he started to become known as somebody that was very studious and, and, and astute and deep. And he ended up rising the ranks because of that. So he actually put himself in a deeper hole than when he started, if he just would have been like chilled out and like not done a good job. So I thought that was really funny. He like built his own prison. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so his whole reason for doing so is basically to justify yes. these killings and to find a reason for them. And that's what he was looking for. And I, I mean, he never really found it, but it just basically made him one of the most intelligent uh, Yamada clan members there was besides sure. our, our boy with dragon and his freaking dissecting everything mission, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And then we also saw um, going back to Fuchi, Gabi and the dragon over there. Uh, Fuchi started to notice uh, Gabi's like soft side when he was talking to May. Uh, being very, uh, you know, kind and gentle with her instead of, instead of how you would describe a person as being hollow. Um, do you think that's going to come back and bite Gabi in the, in the ass in the future? Or do you think Fuchi or somebody else is going to take advantage of that? I don't think so. I think um, the changes we've seen in Gabi Maru are him understanding that he has reasons to live. And, and this is him finding something to protect. Mm-hmm. And in every show or story I've ever watched or read, when you've got something to protect, you go hammer. You know, you go full, a hundred percent, full Super Saiyan right there. So I think yeah. uh, I think Gabi is going to get stronger because of this softer side that he's found. But I'm supposed to know his name now. Holy shit, uh, Fuji yeah. basically says like this isn't the Gabi Maro we read about in Sigiri's notes. So where did this come from? And I think he'll do a bit more digging to get a better understanding of Gabby. I don't think it's going to come to bite him in the ass, though. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking maybe in the, in the future they might try to use that against him in some way. Um, but yeah, it's definitely has already made him stronger and is making him even stronger. Because like you said, um, one, when, when you're a whole person, you know, especially in anime, like it helps you out. We saw that even with uh, the Miss Hashira in Demon Slayer. Got his memories back. He went even more hammer. So it's the same thing for Gabi Mara here. Definitely. So basically we got another scene, you know, that scene with Fuji and Gabi Maru in May, but going back to Sigiri and Yuzuriha. So basically they thought they killed this Tencent. But as we know from Gabi Maru's fight, the Tencent have like a second form. And all of a sudden you start seeing these bizarre flowers spring up and they I look like this they, shit. They have like a full on like stinger on them. And the Tencent is going into a second form and it's going to kill Yuzuriha. But Senta pushes her out of the way and takes the bullet and dies. Full on turned into a flower man. And like I wasn't. Hey man. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Good for him, dude. Good for him. He also found something to protect. Yeah, he did. He did, man. And now he's Um, dead. I mean, he he didn't die for no reason. And he's he a actually, flower pot. Yeah, he. But you know, it was it was kind of uh, it was. They showed like through his his eyes what he was thinking about as he was dying. 
And he was having like a hallucination. I forget about what, but he seemed very, very happy. So at least he went out in a good way in his eyes. Outside yeah. looking in, he turned into, like you said, a living flower pot, which is not great. But he was just in some kind of like bliss, you know? I think that's part of um, when you get thrown into that pit, you basically find, and I don't want to say enlightenment, but that's kind of what they were talking about with it when you get turned into a flower. Mm-hmm. And I think he was going through that. I mean, it just sounds like you get really fucking high. Yeah, he was basically imagining himself drawing Yuzuriha with flowers around her. And then you just see the entire screen get filled with these flowers. And then it like goes back to him and he's just a literal like. Yeah, I think they just released a bunch of DMT in his mind. Hey, man, hell of a way to go. Yeah, no, he seemed pretty happy. Hell of a way to go, dude. (laughs) Um. But yeah, they were pretty much all all done, uh, is what Sagiri and uh, Yusuriha thought. And we we kind of know that Sagiri really can't fight anymore. Um, she was having some problems, uh, I think with some blood coming out of her mouth. And we also saw Gabby Morrow doing some twitching, or maybe it was the other way around. There seems to be some drawbacks to using a lot of uh, Tao, or Ki, as Yuzu calls it. Um, so I'm really excited to learn more about that. I hope they go into it next uh, episode. I hope they get some of the crew back together. Uh, they have a lot to do if it's just going to be a little 20-minute episode like it's been. Um, but yeah, that was something I think we shouldn't ignore because I think it's going to become a little bit big next next episode. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, using a new power up like that always says blowback. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. But the cliffhanger at the end was really exciting in my opinion. So uh, Soshin the blind Yamada clan member basically comes in to save the day. So we've got a little upgrade over Santa to take on, um, you know, <laughs> the Tenson's Segundo form, if you want to bring a little bleach term into it. But uh, it's going to be a crazy fight next episode between that. And I'm not sure if that's where Gabi and those guys are going to come back into it, but I'm interested to see. Yeah, I'm excited to see a uh, Shoshin fight a little bit more. Um, I think he's not going to have too hard of a time with this this form because he's he should be fresh. He should be pretty fresh, relatively compared to everybody else. Um, and he can he has a good usage over at least sensing Tao. Um, so fun stuff, definitely. But, uh, you ready to get on to the next? Let's do it. Let's get let's get a little sleepy. All right. So we have Insomniacs after school twelve. It was very rainy for most of this episode, and the uh, guy, the the kids, our MCs are running out of monies. So what are they going to do about it? Um, they have a day just to sit inside, uh, but they need more food. So the episode starts with Nakami uh, pretty much oversleeping and like really freaking out because they have things to do. They got to go uh, get ready to go out in the evening, and he wakes up to Magari. Uh, pretty much just smiling at him. She's been awake for a while, obviously, and she opens like the door and it's like, oh, it's 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 raining cats and dogs. We're not going fucking anywhere, dog. And uh, Kami's like, well, got nothing else to do. Let's fucking relax and organize some of these files. And uh, that's when he kind of gets into like, yeah, we're running out of food. We don't have any more money. And he seemed pretty calm about it. You know, slightly worried. He's like, you know, we'll go to the grocery store at some point. You know, maybe maybe I just been living too good, but if I didn't have anything in my pocket, bro, I'd be I'd be stressing the fuck out. Yeah, I I like to eat, so uh, not <laughs> having food would be uh, not ideal. Yeah, I don't That's I don't miss sure. many meals, my G. I don't miss many meals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they it was like a couple cute scenes. Uh, they had to like go put the rain shutters uh, on the house, 
I think that that must be pretty common in Japan, at least for that style of house out in the country, uh, because we saw like the rain shutters in Wolf Children. Uh, Hana had to put the wolf uh, the the rain shutters on, and then we saw it in this. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, when your doors are made of paper, that's facts. <laughs> that's facts, big dog. <laughs> you got to give them a little extra, a little extra coverage, you know. So yeah, that's pretty common. I mean, with... it makes sense. It makes sense. I just never thought about it. Yeah, no, it's very common. You see it a lot in um anime uh you know about rural japan so you see that a lot um right but yeah it was funny they put on all their their rain gear and everything else to go do this and it's like raining sideways kind of vibes and uh, they come inside after and they're like rain jackets didn't do nothing i'm soaked to the bone you know like holy yeah, cow especially for like the economy they uh they had him in like a just a plastic bag with some duct tape on it that shit was hilarious that's a freaking poncho and a half right there, dude. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I honestly love days like this, especially if I had a home like that and I kind of like just open one of the doors a little bit and I have like a little porch outside. I just love sitting, watching, listening to the rain, some thunder, reading a book, you know, like just bullshitting and doing something. Oh, love for these sure, kinds man. Of days. And I think they needed it. They had a pretty heavy day the day before. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely. I was going to say those days are really nice to relax with, except when you're uh, camping like I was this weekend and did that for about six, seven hours on Saturday. So that was uh, not the best time. <laughs> well, you got introduced to your uh, really familiar with your new, new camper. And, yeah. And no time. joke, as soon as I said thunderstorm, it started thundering outside where I am. Oh, God, I don't want to finish this podcast alone. Power stay on. We're gonna make it, bro. We're gonna make it. We got, we, right, got we got we got generators run. here. Speed um, run. <laughs> <laughs> Go take our time, big dog. <laughs> um, so even like the next day, uh, it stopped raining and the sun had come out. And McGurry's like, "Is it time to go take pictures?" And he's like, "No. Well, one, we need to get food because we have nothing. And two, it's still too cloudy to get good pictures, and the forecast is not good." And Magari actually calls in the ultimate care package for friends. You got Ukigawa, Nono, Kanekawa, and uh, Nakami actually coming. And Ukigawa has a big-ass backpack, a camping backpack full of food. Yeah, this is and, like a 50-liter bag. This thing's chock-full. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that shit was heavy. Uh, like, he actually puts it in uh, Nakami's, like, uh, basket on his bike and it like weighs the the bike down. He's like, what the fuck do you have in here he's like all the goodies big dog all the goodies yeah so that go and for it so when they get back and they lay out all the food there's like uh obviously a bunch of like snacks and food and like a fit uh, it was a 10 pound rice bag they just need for a couple of days and um kanikawa is like staring well Ma, uh magari is like what is this white powder and like uh Kawa is like looking down at her with like her chin up. She's like, you know what that is. Getting the party started right. And like uh at first I was like, this can't be it, but it was just I, I assume it's just MSG. <laughs> I'm gonna assume it's MSG. And I was, the kids don't have Coke. <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, holy shit, that's a freaking kilo of Coke in that bag. Like it it wasn't a small bag. It what it no. turned out what it turned out to be was like a flour mixture for making like some kind of like Japanese pancake. Oh, I thought it was just MSG. I thought it was an MSG joke. No, that whole, shit is fire. The whole next scene was them making those uh I don't that know what they're called, right. but those pancake things. So 
they look fucking delicious and i need I a want them yeah. i want them yeah they have like cabbage and like vegetables and i think probably needed them too they looked good dude like cam uh pancakes sweet pancakes cabbage cabbage i love cabbage everybody loves cabbage right um but yeah no that should look delicious and uh we already know kanakawa is a bitch but she can cook so everybody wins uh, for sure man konami actually had like a fucking billion bananas that hey man when you work out like our girl konami does does you need that potassium you can't be cramping <laughs> up on the baseball or the softball diamond dude i used to be the fucking king of cramping man and I like, like, I would try to stay so hydrated, like, uh, especially like during a uh, basketball practice, I was always fucking cramping. I'm prone to that shit. I hate it. That's like my big problem is like, I'm not like the biggest fan of bananas. Mm-hmm. Like they're I hate I, bananas. They're, I, I like eat. how bananas taste, but the texture fucks with me. I just, I, I won't go out of my way to eat uh, seven bundles of bananas. No, I definitely <laughs> can't eat that many. I, I usually when I buy a bundle of bananas, it's too much. And those things last like a week and a half. It's just oh, too yeah. much for me. Yeah, no, they get thrown in the freezer and turn into banana banana bread. Yes, sir. He gets it. That's, he gets it. That's bananas are just good for banana bread, dude. I love yeah. banana bread. Same here. Uh, I like some good banana pudding, but that's you know, it's no longer a fucking fruit at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the girls kind of go out that evening. Uh, she's got her whole friend group there, so she wants to spend some time with them. And uh, Ukigawa is kind of just chilling on the porch with uh, Nakami as the sun's setting. And, and Homeboy sniffed out that uh, Nakami, you know, his relationship had advanced a little bit. And that's some good perception because dudes do be acting different when they, you know, when they get a girl. 100%. They do. They yeah, do. Bro. They get they a little more confidence. They get a little yeah. more confidence in their step, you know, like. <laughs> and the crazy thing, too, is, you know, Nakami has always just been dead tired. But he's been sleeping like a baby the last few days. So, you know, I'm sure like he, he didn't have the bags under his eyes at all. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's got a full demeanor change because of the combination of the Riz and the sleep, you know? Yeah. And uh, homeboy is feeling himself right now. Like, like for real. Uh, yeah. Ikugawa was like, yeah, you're back to being your cool self. And he's like, damn, you can, you can fucking tell. Like, yeah, bro. You glowing right now. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, the girls are like they they take their little uh, trip trip to like it was like some kind of a it was like a dock or like a, a, a pier or something. or something like that. Yeah, I, didn't I was know gonna what call it was. like a fucking pier. Uh, whatever it was, they're kind of like chilling out, and Nono um, starts telling a scary story about a, like a girl screaming in the woods or a woman screaming in the woods, and then they start hearing some uh, screaming in the fucking woods, and they run home, and Uk- and they like all piled up on the floor, and Ukuga was like, "Y'all know that was a fucking deer, right?" But I thought we actually got our ghost finally dead. I I know. I was so excited. And you know, I don't I don't know if the Japanese deer are different, but I've never heard a I've I've lived out on the boonies. I never heard a deer make a noise like that. Oh no, me either. Me either. That's not what our deer sound like. Fisher cats. Yes. Fisher cats sound like children screaming in the woods. They're terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never heard a deer make that noise. So when it flashed to a deer, its eyes like shining in the woods and it just sounds like a woman screaming i was like what the fuck kind of deer do you guys got in japan bro yeah but there are certain deer that sound like that uh, i've watched a lot of nat geo in my time um and there As are some <laughs> hey it's good shit very educational um but uh yeah there's some deer that sound like that i don't know if they're actually in japan or if they just made that up but it's true i don't know man it's true somewhere 
It's true somewhere. <laughs> Ain't true in America. <laughs> no, nah, not where we at. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ukugawa was like, y'all need to chill out. And they actually have like a little firework party. Uh, Kanekawa is being a good sport outside of the heat, which is fair. I don't like the fucking heat either. Uh, but she's been a really good sport. She brought some fireworks. She said she's going to get the party jumping. She's been cooking for everybody. She was really low-key to MVP of this episode. And yeah, that's I a lot more than what we can normally say for her. I can agree with that. You know, she, she's the one who wants to have the fun summer memories. And you got to have somebody like that in your squad. So, I mean, she, good for her taking that role on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to have you a friend like her in some ways. You really do. <clears throat> but, yeah, then we see Kanekawa, uh, sorry, Ukigawa. Uh, bring out the ukulele. And this song, I, I laughed through this entire song. It was so fucking corny. They had like the sparklers out and shit, which is the lamest firework. I fucking hate sparklers. That's the thing, though. It's like, I feel like to buy the big boys, you got to be over 18, right? But I feel like anybody can go buy sparklers because like in my state, you can't buy fireworks, but you can buy sparklers at the freaking grocery store, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, if we want to buy fireworks, we had to go over the border. That is right. I used to, yeah, I used to live up that way. Yeah, you can't buy fireworks in like New York State either, or at least now New York City. Can't buy them in New York State. You can't buy them in Jesus. Mass. But you can go to New Hampshire and Connecticut. They the the little the shack, the Phantom Fireworks Shack, is just like the first thing <laughs> over the border. <laughs> they know what the fuck they do. Uh, this is a whole market right here. They know what they're doing, dude. Yeah, nah. Like we we have big ass like warehouse fireworks stores here. Um, so yeah, when I moved up there, like. Years, years and years ago that was like a big surprise to me i did not know people could not have it was like illegal to have fireworks um yeah hence that story with you and me me making you go answer the police uh the door with the police at it <laughs> yeah it was we'll get into that another time yeah not not today guys we're gonna we're gonna save that for a little later but um, yeah so ukagawa pulls out this ukulele and starts playing some really corny like love song and I know he's just doing it to get under Takami's skin deep down. And I'm like, this is my fucking boy. He's out here trolling and nobody <laughs> knows it but Nakavi. Also a great friend. No, it, it, was, it was pretty funny. It also turns out it was some like corny song that was in a commercial or something. So all the girls knew the lyrics when it came to the chorus. And it was, it was a cute little scene, you know? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the rest of the gang... Besides our MCs, like they go back, uh, get on the train and they leave. And then on the way home, you know, um, they're talking about, you know, they're just kind of joking around and talk about how they're going to be when they get older. Uh, Magari's like telling Nakami that, you know, you're going to be a stubborn old man, which I see that. I hope I'm a stubborn old man while we're talking about it. Um, but yeah, he, and he's like, you know, what kind of old lady are you going to be? And she kind of like stops. And I think she's like thinking about, or heart issue and if she's actually going to get old and she kind of turns around which and like smiled at him and she's like i don't really know what the future holds for me and she had a really positive attitude about it even though we know what she was thinking about we know why she stopped dead in the tracks and i think you know nakami like read the situation and he like kind of just like grabbed her hand which is a little bit outside of you know his, his normal shyness which i thought was really cool um yeah, it's because the thing that sparked that whole conversation is Nakami asked Magari what her grandmother was like because they're at her grandmother's yeah. house and everything else. And she went in that her grandmother was really lovey-dovey and before her grandfather passed, they were always holding hands and doing all this cute shit. And I think that's what planted the little seed in our boy Nakami's brain there, you know? 
Yeah, his brain was working overtime right there. But he said something. Well, he thought something. He didn't say it out loud, but he said something along the lines of like, I feel like I need to grab onto her hand right now or she's just going to melt away this summer. And I don't think that's necessarily saying that like, you know, with her heart condition and stuff like that, but more like, I got to grab the bull by the horns here. Or this might s- slip through my fingers. That shit was, co- that, yeah, that was pretty sweet. But and good for him, man. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, she's going to melt away in this white summer. He's like, yeah, this is my chance. But yeah, no, he, he did a good reading of the situation. I think he was right about that. Um, she had already made her move. It was time for him to kind of come out on the ledge as well. Um, but yeah. As we get close to the end of the episode, they, you know, they kind of go wandering after that, holding hands and being cute little kids. Um, good for them. A plus shit. Um, we found out that Hai has been posting pictures of her being away from her little brother and uh, little sister in Nakami. And Makara's like, she's going to get caught. She's posting shit on, on a fucking Instagram. What the fuck? And it ends up happening when they get back to the house and Makara's parents are yelling at her and blah, 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 blah. And they're sitting over dinner. And uh, she's like, yeah, my parents want me to go home. And she's like, I ain't going. I ain't going. I ain't going. <laughs> all, I can, all I can think of is that scene from Wolf of Wall Street. He's like, oh, I'm fucking was, leaving. That's what, that's what I was going for, dog. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have like a little, like, you know, disagreement in the comments. Like, you should go home. They, you know, they're worried about you, blah, 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 blah. She's like, nah, fuck that bullshit. We're not doing anything wrong, which they weren't. Um. But then, like she, she gets a text from her parents, and she's like, "They're like, yeah, I'm coming to get, we're coming to get your ass tonight. We're pulling up." And I don't know if Nakami like kind of read into how she was acting. She was like almost about to cry. He was like, "You know what, man? I thought this was really cool." Uh, he was like, "You know, do I have permission to kidnap you?" Um, it was sweet, y'all. It's not how it sounds. <laughs> uh, he's like, "You know what? We're gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna go to our you know, place where we're supposed to take photos." Uh, Akawi site and then after that we'll just stay away the whole night and she's like yes please and he's like I know I shouldn't be doing this but deep down inside I think I know he knows it, it is what he should be doing they yeah, weren't doing anything wrong but he he, yeah. he just laying down some Mac some real game right now a real game dude and the nice the funny thing was is he's like well if your parents are coming we should really clean up the house because they were you know they were nice enough to let you use your grandma's house man being <laughs> respectful and disrespectful I really love it Dude, it's the perfect the perfect mixture. Nikami's just but firm. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> so you was you did you fuck with this episode or not? Because it was a little slower than most of ours. It was it was filled like a lot more cutesy things instead of more plot. Well, we, you fucking with it? I liked it. It was it was good. You know, it was it was it was. Um, I guess hard to say because like every other episode of anime I watched this week was so action packed. That's how I'm feeling, dog. And so, like, intense. And then this was just kind of like a fresh breath of air, you know? Yeah. Which is where I can see the slice of life genre coming in nice. But, uh, unfortunately, yeah. most of them suck. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Tyler's here. He's letting them things fly right now. To um, me. They suck to me. Yeah, There's an yeah, audience. Yeah. I'm not it. Yeah. I, I, I like, I've, I've been liking this show. I, I didn't really like this episode that much, but it was good because I just got off work and then I watched this. So it was good not to have something like so hyped up. I just like kind of kick, uh, kicked back and chilled. It was good chill. But I think I think I like a few of these slice of life things, but this being one of them, but it, it's growing on me. Yeah. It's growing on me for sure. 
Yeah, this one's been good because it's not over the top. Like, there's like the characters haven't been super annoying. Right, they're not appropriate. Uh, in a like, I guess like annoying. I guess is the right word. Like you just said, exaggerated. Right, and like their relationship is developing in a in like a in a cool way. You know, like it's 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 not like super fucking weird or anything like that. Not even that. It's not forced. It's not like my hey, one my one goal words. of this entire anime is to start dating so and so. And that is the only thing I care about. Like it the right. How is that compelling? I don't understand how that's compelling for a lot of people. Um but, they're just trying to go to sleep. They're trying to go to sleep at night and start a fucking club. It's it's like they they're they're doing something while they're yeah, learning more about each other. The relationship in this has been very organic, which I've enjoyed. Right. Right. Well cool, man. Let's, you want to uh, you want to get us up a little more hype? Let's get some fucking One Piece, in, dog. So this is One Piece episode ten sixty six. Here comes the main act: powerful techniques of shockwave and magnetism. So we got it. We're getting heated up. The battle between Big Mom versus Kid in Law. It's coming to a close, but not yet, unfortunately. Meanwhile, Momo's <laughs> finding some grit and some success deep down inside of him to try and stop Onigashima. So, man, like this episode opened up in such an awesome way. Basically, we see Kid is like full on bleeding out. Like, man is in 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 his yeah, he's in his head, and they just started off with these awesome black and white still shots from essentially Kid's memory. Mm-hmm. But it's all the moments leading up to this. There says crew. You see a flashback to Sabayori. Like you see the beginning of this fight. You see Luffy yeah. getting lost, standing up in front of you know to get the raid going. Like it was fucking awesome. I thought the art direction in this episode was so cool. Yeah, I I was very surprised, and it hit so hard because I don't think. Don't quote me, but I don't think One Piece has done something like that before. Um, not not in recent memory, at the very very least. But I was surprised by this. Um, we also, I can't remember homeboy's name right now, but the, you know Henry this is the, Henry, my boy, my guy, way to show up for the Americans, brother. We appreciate you. Great job on the episode. Um, but I thought it was a great uh, artistic um, idea to do that. Um, it was. It started off the episode. and It was very heavy. The music was solemn. And like, yeah, we got those visuals with kids just like laying on the ground, bleeding out and just going back to these like really beautiful, beautiful uh, stills. Yeah, I think we got about seven or eight new wallpapers out of this episode. Sheesh. No joke, man. No joke. But yeah, so we do bounce around a little bit at the beginning of the episode. We go to Kazenbu and Yamato going at it down in the basement. Uh, we didn't really get too far with that. You know, she's trying to fight a fire ghost little poltergeist action and that's not going too well for her uh after that we go out to momo and i really liked the art direction they went with this momo scene the animation was so crisp yeah it really like momo's face really stood out to me um that's when like it kind of like hit me i mean other than the still panels that was something i was gassed right at the gate but seeing his almost face and his body uh, drawn like it was. I was like, damn, they they really spending some some time on this episode. Definitely, and we got a really cool flashback scene from Momo's point of view um, about everybody else's struggles during this raid to try and motivate him. 
and like we see the nine samurais first time the scabbards fighting uh, kaido for the first time which was i don't know if they just pulled that out of the old episode i can't remember but like it was it was really well animated <laughs> we see kinemon getting slashed down by kaido shinobu saving momo and getting like I don't remember what stabbed her, but it was a bunch of sh- like arrows hitting her or something like that. Yes, yes. And then we got a 30 second scene of Luffy boxing with Kaido. And the one thing I really enjoyed about this is normally in One Piece when there's fighting, there's not a lot of blood. But like every time they made contact, there was blood, there was blood splatter on the ground. And I was like, oh, this is what One Piece should be. <laughs> like, yeah we don't get a lot of that uh, or really any of that uh in one piece so yeah it was it was it was a very different direction i, I feel like throughout this whole episode we've seen a lot of like cgi going back to momo's body and face uh it was beautifully drawn and then like you said like the blood splatter on like the rocks i was like yo hold on hold on this shit kind of hidden and it was only like 30 seconds maybe like a little clip of that fight um but it was it hit hard it was oh, just like you said, it's very, very different. Definitely. And they brought back that look that Kaido has when he's like a shadowy demon looking beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. brought that back for one scene. I was like, oh God, they're just in their bag this week, dude. Henry is he's the guy. Yeah. Like, he said, he said, You let me get a chance, I'm gonna take it. Yeah. Cause he's drawn, he's been involved in animating some really big fights, but he's never had the um been a director. Like, yeah, of an I was about to say he's never directed, yeah. So like I mean he's 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 earned his his, uh, his slot here for this episode, and I think he really showed up and, and showed out on it. I think he's earned himself a few more, dude. Oh, he'll be back. He's in rotation now. I guarantee that shit. He's Henry is in rotation. Um, but going beyond like that little thirty second uh, clip of uh, Luffy and Kaido kind of going at it, Momo started hearing someone calling his name, and like we're not hearing anything. Um, and I, I really wonder what this is. I'm not asking you, Dan, in case you do remember what it is. But, you know, we go back to Momo maybe having like the uh, the can hear the voice of all things. And I, I wonder what is actually fucking calling this man. And I'm really excited to figure out what that is. Uh, I can't speculate too much with Dan because, you know, he's, he reads the manga. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited to figure that out. OK, I'm just going to just remember what we saw last episode with the giant elephant. Yeah, it's Zunisha, dude. It's Zunisha? That's it? Yeah. That's okay. it. That's all you can hear. All right, but Because, I mean, no, he heard uh, Zunisha's voice the entire time they were on Zoe as well. Like, Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah So that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, just oh, okay. he's hearing Z- Zunisha because Zunisha's approaching Wano. Oh, yeah, she is Matt Close. Yeah, that is right. She is Matt Close. Yeah, she's, she's terrifying the Marines. Yeah, I do. Wouldn't you be fucking terrified? <laughs> you think I, you're about to pull up to an island and it's, it's just like a fucking... I mean, you... Massive is an understatement. Um, gigantic. I don't know. That seems small compared to Zu- uh, Zuisha as well. So yeah, I'd be I, fucked up. I'd yeah, be fucked I, up. I guess it's one of those things, though. You know, if you if you're a marine in One Piece, you should at least know there's a giant moving elephant island out there, right? They probably don't disseminate that information to everybody, dog. That's true. You know, you just you just you just marine number eight thousand sixty one. I don't give a fuck about you or what you know. That's true. But back to the main event. So we get Kid and Kaido. Sorry, not Kid and Kaido. Jesus Christ. A Kid and Law. Switching basically, switching, basically arguing 
because Law's like, hey, man, I'm not the setup dude. Like, stop going in for the big hit after I do something. Like, let me shine a little bit. And I thought this whole interaction was hilarious because if you think back to like when it was Kid, Law, and Luffy approaching the island and they're fighting all the Beast Pirate ships, they're all talking shit to each other. There's another scene where they're like, Whoever leaves this spot last as Kaido is launching like a Boro blast or something at him. He's like, whoever leaves the spot last is the strongest. <laughs> <It was> hilarious. <laughs> and these guys are just so damn petty. It's so funny. It's it's cool because like they're all like, you know, early 20s, late teens. And this is how fucking little little boys act. Like, you know, like older boys, young men act sometimes. It's just like dumb shit to prove that you're brave to the other other guys. Oh, we still do that shit now in our 30s, dude. Come oh, on. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Maybe not to this extent, but a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, they 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 study trying to bitch kid though. No, not kid, uh, law. You know, I mean he's he out there doing his thing, he's using his K room. Uh, but hey, I I'm glad he said, I'm glad Law said something to Kid, because I was noticing that little sly ass bullshit too. He was trying to take uh advantage of the openings. So Oh, definitely, man. But we got some crazy animation with this fight. Like, Kid kid comes at Big Mom with one of his giant punk magnetic bull monster skeleton-looking things <laughs> and actually ends up breaking her arm. And I forgot this in the manga and the way, like, they didn't animate it like they did in the show because I had to go back and, like, look at it. I was like, did mm-hmm. this actually happen? So basically, Big Mom uses Soul Pocus and gives her bones life. And you just see this scene where it's all a bunch of little bones with smiley faces going, "Hi, Mama!" And then her arm is magically healed. I was like, "Holy shit!" I don't yeah, remember she was like, this. Yeah, yeah, they were like, "Yeah." She was like, uh, "She used her like Soul Pocus," and they, she was like, "Yo, heal up, heal up. We get, we gotta get back at this." Um, they also broke Big Mom's ribs too, um, which I mean, this is a sturdy girl. Very sturdy girl. Uh, so I was surprised they broke her one her wrist uh, slash arm and her her ribs. But she yeah she healed up the the wrist real quick. It was a little creepy because they got like a little X ray shot with it too. Like you said with the little bones and smiley face. So I was like this is this ain't it. This ain't this it. Is, it was it was it was cool, but it was like it was a little it was a little. Uh, I don't know. Made my skin crawl a little bit. Man. That's just Big Mom though, dude. I mean that's every scene with Big Mom just is just scary, bro. So bizarre with like. And think back to Whole Cake Island when she's just like animating all the trees and everything else and in Wano when she starts like literally turning eye beams into like monsters and shit like that. She's yeah. just crazy. No, everything around her, it just comes to life. And I actually really enjoy her um, as an emperor. I know there were some people that, that kind of didn't like how unserious she is and like she kind of like spazzes out sometimes. But I, I think it's cool because she's more like a she's like a fucking demon, bro. Yeah, that's just her character. I mean, that's who she is, but she's well worthy of the title of emperor of the sea i mean oh she hell is, yeah nobody fucking with big mom like that uh, except for she, a few people yeah she's terrifying i mean fucking <clears throat> terrifying yeah and then like going back to kid and law this was an a1 jumping a hundred percent um like you said we had we had kid using his you know i think he like stuck big mom's back to like a, a building I thought that was gonna like hold her down, and then like uh, Lou uh, Law actually came and followed up with a, you know a little bit of K room, and uh, I thought this was pretty well choreographed. I liked I liked seeing uh, Law use his Devil Fruit uh, to like dodge around, but not like just once or twice. Switching with a rocket was like constantly as he was like 
you know, cutting Big Mom a little bit by a little bit. And um, we know laws. Devil food is fucking broken. So it's cool to see him actually utilize it a little bit more. Uh, because before this, um, in uh, Dress Rosa, we knew he couldn't do too much because he had a stamina issue, but he's grown a lot since then. So this, it was phenomenal to me. I really, really, really enjoyed seeing Law kind of like get after it a little bit more. Oh, definitely, man. I w- I'm going to go back and rewatch this episode because the fight Honey. scene was so good. Like, if you didn't see, it's hard to explain how much they actually use his ability to swap places with an item. Because he's going all over the place, dodging attacks, moving kid out of the way, everything else. And it's just unreal. Yeah, it's like it's like 10 to 15 times in a row, uh, which that's the first time we've seen him do it that much. It's usually like, you know, two, maybe three times and then they like reset. But nah, he was all over the place. Like you would think he would fight all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, he's saying he's getting low on stamina and they, they got one more volley left and blah, 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 blah. So, but it was worth it. definitely and i mean this fight made big mom pull out the trump card that shit was crazy three thousand leagues of misery did you catch holy fuck did you catch that misery looked like mother carmel carmel my jaw just dropped yeah oh my god i thought it was supposed to be like a that new version of zeus i thought that's what it was supposed to be but that is right yeah it is it is carmel Wow, that's deep. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, and shit. this thing was a fucking menace. Like the scene, was it, was it 3000, was it Misery punching kid or was it Big Mom? I can't remember. Um, It was Misery, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and like there's a scene where the, again, you know, but not Big, Big Mom got her licks in earlier, I'm pretty sure. But, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of the one where it flashes back. It's like black and white with all the red. Was that Misery or was that Big Mom? That was Misery. So basically, Kid is getting boxed the fuck up in this episode. It's just getting punched over and over and over again. It's going fucking crazy outside. It's like a fucking firework, dog. Really? I can't yeah. hear shit on my... We can't hear shit on the podcast. So <laughs> really? Holy shit. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a good noise game. I'm like, he's like pointing out the window. I'm like, I got something going on on my... And, it, it, and bro, it looks like literally firework, a firework show going on outside. It's fucking nuts. One good thing around the last show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, so there's this really well animated scene where basically Misery is just giving kid the business like... KIAs like an entire like 30 beast pirates like no prisoners being taken so that was a that was cool how they did that to show you how powerful like this ultimate move was because like okay so she's like just decking like kid uh kids on the floor like just getting decked right but as she's swinging back like she's like killing hordes of people misery's killing hordes of people so that kind of tells you just how strong it is just by getting touched with it let alone punched repeatedly so kids got some crazy fucking durability is what we just saw um it was a very it, it was a beautiful move and also terrifying um 3000 leagues of misery like you said i'm probably gonna go watch this after we get off this podcast because <laughs> oh, it was just a great fight we we saw some some different things out of the out of the show um and like it did like distort some of the colors which is another great artistic idea. Um, we just saw a lot of new and creative things. Somebody brought, you know, uh, Henry brought some really fresh ideas, I think, to the 
the animation of the show. Well, yeah, he made a comment uh, before release that he was going to use as many colors and as many auras and as many ev- everything else as he wanted to because he didn't give a fuck what everybody on Twitter thought. <laughs> and he did a really good job with it. It wasn't like over the top or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was tasteful. It was well done. Um, I mean, anybody that's been listening to this podcast over the last few months uh, knows I, I've been ranking on the auras. Uh, Dan's getting tired of hearing me talking about it. And uh, yeah, it was very tasteful. There was a lot of colors, but they were used in different ways other than the auras. Definitely. Yeah, it was really artistically well done. So after that, um, basically Law, just being the badass he is, just slashes misery and misery in half and defeats, you know, Big Mom's trump card. And we see him go for the final shock, Willie. And I didn't recall how far Kroom could actually extend his sword. But we get a scene where you just see this sword go through the entire bottom. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Is it K-Room or is it Kroom? It's Kroom. Fuck. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to correct you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he ahead. says room and then he, he just, you know, adds a K and goes Kroom. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but so, like, I'm talking... Homie has his sword extend through Big Mom, through the floor. You get a scene where Yamato is fighting Kazenbo, and there's just all of a sudden a massive fucking sword through the between them. Goes all the way through Onigashima, goes to the depths of Wano, all the way down to literally the molten center of the earth. Like, deep shit. They're and literally th- trying to send this lady to hell. Very impressive. Very impressive. And this entire time he's doing this, Big Mom is just beating the shit out of him. He's just like, I got a little more to go. I got a little more to go. And I'm like, homie, you're like 5,000 miles deep at this point. How much farther <laughs> you got to go? Like, he's trying to put her to rest, man. But I'm I sure he's tired of seeing her on the battlefield. And they're, I mean, they're about out of energy. So they, they really got to, they really got to make it shake. He said this is his last volley. You got to make it good. Definitely, man. But so I guess with his ability, he can basically transfer the energy from the molten core of the One Piece world. I'm not going to call it Earth because I don't know what the fuck that is. It's not (laughs) Earth. (laughs) And it basically just hits Big Mom with this massive attack. And she's lying, holding on like by like her fingertips to try not fall through this massive crater that Law made. And this is where Kid, in classic Kid fashion, comes to steal the show. He gets Law's approval this time, though. Yeah, he's like, he's like Law, do it. He's like, oh, okay, I, he's I, like, I, can, I can help yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eustace, Eustace, uh, do it. And Eustace makes this super mega ultimate cannon. That shit was dope. Was so cool, dude. They edited it so well with the purple and stuff. And then we, we get a to-be-continued scene. And I was so mad. <laughs> Yeah, like this is one of those episodes. Like, and this is always how I can tell it's a good fucking episode. It felt like it was like maybe seven minutes, even with everything that happened and and, like you know all the beautiful scenes and and animation we got. It felt like it only had been on like for a few minutes, man. And it was like to be continued. I did like the kid to be continued though with the magnetism for the letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're seeing the mix it up more and more, man. I am uh, liking the character centric to be continued. So I'm really excited to see what they do with some of the stuff coming down the line. 
Yeah, let's. Uh, I, I wonder if they really peaked with their first one with the Zoro one though. That shit was straight guys. Yeah. Huh? But yeah, it was a really beautiful, beautifully animated episode. The action was incredible. Like, amazing. One Piece is just in its bag right now, dude. And like I said, this is this is probably gonna be my anime of the year. I don't even care. Yeah, I mean they're just <laughs> they just keep going. They keep getting higher, man. They keep going higher, man. Um, it's it's really amazing what they've done this this these last few months. Um, it like I said, it just keeps getting better. The animation just stays at a, a top level. We obviously love the story. I'm a thousand and sixty six episodes into this, John. Can't beat it right now. Honestly, no. can't beat it. No, definitely not. Everybody else is chasing ghosts. <laughs> I said what I said. Awesome. We got anything else for One Piece? Nah, that's it for me. Banger episode. Banger. Bunch of banger episodes this week, dude. Absolute yes, bangers. I mean, even the other shows I'm watching, like, everyone's in their bag right now. It's been so fun. <laughs> I, I, eating. I didn't have as many, like... This wasn't like an anime season. Like, you know, summer 23 is going to be top this year. But like, I didn't expect spring 23 to hit this hard. So I'm really glad it is. No, like, yeah, we were, we were kind of like scrambling the fine shows. Um, and lo and behold, there's plenty out here right now. So, yeah, I mean, there's three or four shows I'm watching that aren't on the weekly rundown. And they might be better than some of the rundown shows, you know, like they're that good. Right. And then, you know, next couple of weeks here, we're going to be. Uh, cycling in the summer and like there's just absolute certified bangers coming out 100 like, percent. but man well, awesome awesome guys well we appreciate you guys hanging out for the weekly rundown 21 sans tyler uh let's hope he gets his power back before we decide to record the bullshit hour for thursday uh just a quick note Next week, the weekly rundown is going to release on the weekend because me and Bass got a little vacay we're going on. So hey, hey, uh, hey, hey. you won't see the weekly rundown Tuesday. You'll see DGENs on this Thursday and next Thursday. Then you'll find the weekly rundown on the weekend. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll catch Love you. Love you. Bye.